All right. But we are recording. Hello. Hello. Um, it's been a while since we've recorded anything, podcast-wise. Not since we rebranded. Ah. So, so this is the first Iron and Love podcast. I guess it could be, unless we delete it and never speak of it again. <laughs> um, now we're standing. We need to stand, don't we? When you're podcasting, you're supposed to stand. Really? Because apparently you, you breathe better. Yes, you do. And then that makes you talk better. Mm. It's also a confidence thing, I think. If you're standing up and you're taking up space. <laughs> I'm like taking versus... up space. <laughs> Bulking, not sulking. <laughs> versus sitting down, like you can make yourself smaller. Whereas standing yeah. up, you... So today, my name, well, for those who don't know, this is Warren. Um, I am the owner of Iron and Love. And with me today is Esti. How do I, I can't pronounce your surname because it has a rolly R in it. Esti. Stradom. Yeah, that. Um, <laughs> Esti is our photographer and videographer. So the chances are, if you've ever seen any of our shit online, then Esti took the picture of it because I certainly didn't. Um, any photos, any videos, Esti is, Esti's role within the gym is to come on in periodically and make people look good. Even me. <laughs> Some, I, well. I enjoy it because I feel like I have to, you know, trick people, make them laugh at other silly jokes. You enjoy tricking people? Yes, I do actually. I do I, too, like, that's part of my job, that's part of my favourite part of my job, like tricking people. Pranking and tricking and having a laugh. Tricking people into doing what they want, what you want them to do for their own benefit for the yeah benevolent yes. benevolent Benev mischief right that's that's the perfect description benevolent chicanery yeah so i love doing that and getting you know when people are laughing naturally it's always going to be better than a smile or a cheese mm -hmm. you know so you i mean you've also done a lot of stand-up right stand-up comedy <laughs> so i guess that's yeah. also very useful now you've you have you moved away from that now Yes, yeah. Okay, but that probably is that skill set really carries over to getting, loosening people up for videos. Absolutely. Or for audio interviews or anything. It's, I think it's very much also being in the moment and reading the room. So mm -hmm. as a stand-up, you definitely have to be aware of that. And if I'm shooting people who are not used to being photographed or videoed... Like me. <laughs> <laughs> well, most people in the world, yeah. really. Yeah. Um, then just making them feel comfortable is the biggest thing. So... Yeah, I don't know exactly how it would translate from stand-up. Yeah. I guess it's like, you know, when you warm a room up, you kind of, you have to warm up a room yeah. before you can take great photos, I guess. That's most true. of the time, unless they're a pro and they just come on in and yeah. flap about properly. <laughs> flap about. Well, I don't know, prance, <laughs> whatever it is they do. Pose, pose, that's the oh, word. Yeah. Oh, about. yeah. I feel like the, you know, especially in group shots, the best thing has been Oh, pretend like you're exercising, but then people get into it and they start exercising. Yeah. But they start laughing at each other. Yeah. And then that's that's like prime time for me to just snap away. Um, you know, because it's like a normal workout, but a little less serious, I would say. Yeah, that was that was one thing that was really interesting to me how people viewed our sort of bribery brunch photo shoot things. Mm. Was even Jason, as a, as the guy who was coaching it, they viewed it as. You know, I said to Jason, you, you, you handled this room so well, you were so light-hearted and jovial. Mm. What, what makes it so different to like, the classes where you're normally quite dour, you know? <laughs> and it was not, but different, mm. you know? Less, mm. you, he said, well, there's no, there's no stakes, there's no consequences, because they're not actually exercising. Mm. And it's like, 
you can have that with exercise too. You mm. can be jovial and stuff, which I, I aim to do. Mm. Um, you can, I, mean, I, I guess you could say I like pretending to exercise myself <laughs> and I do have a laugh while I'm doing it. <laughs> but you can be jovial and have a great workout and get results and just dial in that focus. Mm. I think a lot of the guys when they come and do the photo shoots, they're, they're having a laugh because they're thinking, oh, I don't have any performance anxiety. I don't have to perform mm. for, it's not a performance lifting. It's, mm. it's not, oh, unless you're in a competition. Yes. You're training for yourself. And I think a lot of people lose sight of that. Mm. Um, they, they're trying to, I don't know, they don't want to make the, you know, they don't want to make, uh, make the coaches look bad or they don't want to make themselves look bad. They don't mm. want to miss a lift. But when you have a photo shoot, it's literally, it's just the only goal is to have fun and mess about. And, do a few lifts here and there. And some people do take it seriously. Yeah, some, some people, people went like, all in with the deadlifts. <coughs> yeah, Jason. Yeah, Jason, Jason. <laughs> um, but I, I found one of my favorite moments was when I told, I think it was Jason actually, I said, mm. I don't care about your face. And he took it so personally. And I was like, it's a, <laughs> I'm taking photographs of you, but I don't care about your face. But I don't. Um, I really care about the light you, you first. Only, you only care about his body. No, I don't care hey. about <laughs> How do I get out of this? See? You can't. That's, that's no, no, go, go back professional. Okay. Just do, <coughs> ignore me and carry on, which is what most people do. So um, I care about light first and then with the, with the group shots, then I care about action and that being dynamic Dyna and being yeah. quick with my camera. So yeah. then once the light is right, anyone's face can be there as long as they're doing stuff or mm -hmm. laughing or having a, a quirky yeah. moment. Then, mm -hmm. like, I really don't care about how people look unless I'm doing a a studio portrait yeah and that's so different to what I'm doing here but the people who are your subjects for the oh, photo they, they yeah. do care at it yeah <laughs> that's true they are self-conscious so yeah. and for, for me okay backing up a little bit for me as as the guy trying to get the photos I know the bulk of the photos the good stuff is going to be in the warm-ups the cool downs the stuff that or, and the messing about in between, mm. not the actual like one RM lifts. That's not no, the kind of stuff that you put into the social. That's not what people care about. Um, mm. But I think a lot of people forget that when you are here doing the photos, your job is to make them look great. So one of the directives, one of the briefs is mm. if they wouldn't put that on their as their own in, as their own say social media profile picture, mm. it doesn't go on the internet. Mm. That's what we try mm. and do. Totally. So I mean. When I tell people I don't care about their face, it's also to let, maybe just to let tease the them. Down. It goes back to the benevolent pranking, tricking thing where, yeah, letting someone's guard down um, and making them real. Like when I'm staring at someone, I'm usually looking at lights. Mm -hmm. So I know that can be very intimidating, especially if me staring is coupled with a camera. <laughs> so, but it's hard. Like people will always be self-conscious. Yeah. The, the good thing about when you're doing it in a photo, which we had to learn the hard way, you can't get good footage or pictures or really good stuff when they're actually exercising. No, it's so very as, difficult. As a behind um, the scenes thing, all the people that are looking at the stuff online, yeah. they're thinking, oh, these guys are just in there going about their daily workout. It's supposed mm -hmm. to look that way, but mm -hmm. actually these people are in here voluntarily. They're generously giving their time in exchange mm -hmm. for breakfast foods. Um, <laughs> breakfast foods. <laughs> but they're giving their time and mm. they're, they're coming in and they're there because they want to be, not because, you know, oh, time to roll out the camera, you, you fuckers are getting photo today. Mm. That kind of, like school photo day. Oh, yeah. It's not like it's that. It's always so stiff. Yeah. Um, I think it is possible to get 
some photos when people are um, working out normally, but you would have to do it with a longer lens, um, which to be honest right now, I don't own a very long lens, so, you know, and that just means I can like hide away in the corners and be a ninja. Mm -hmm. But I think part of the success of, you know, photographing someone with a lens that makes you stand a bit closer is actually that interaction. <laughs> so if you've got a long lens, you can be closer to someone? Well, you can stand further away and get a close-up shot. Oh, all right, okay, yeah. all right, yeah. Yeah. So that means you don't have to talk to them and they don't have to know that they're being photographed. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a ninja approach and I've seen that and I've seen it working um, in some instances, but... The space is too small anyway, you couldn't, it is get, small, you couldn't yeah. get far away. Enough. Yeah, I mean, and I also, can hide it in the toilet, but it's very strange. <laughs> not for me. Um, <laughs> but the good thing is, though, people, people know you already. You're like part yeah. of the furniture industry, even though you, you don't train here anymore, yeah. which we'll talk about in a minute. Hey, um, you're getting put on the spot. No, no, just you used to train here, yeah. which is also a good thing because you, you kind of know mm. us and how we are and the kind of atmosphere we have. But w immediately when people come on in and, you know, everyone goes out of the photo shoot saying, what a great time, what a great experience I had. Mm. Because it is silly and it is like lighthearted and it does come out with great results, but there's no, there, that performance anxiety does melt away as, yeah. as time goes on. Everyone says that they're so, you know, they get on really well with you and they like having you about as a cool. photographer, which is Great. cool. Yeah, that's half, I mean, that's 70% of the job done. It's just that dynamic yeah. for me. Exactly, so, yeah. um, I mean, even if I had less skill as a photographer, I think I could probably still get good photos if people had that. If you had the rapport, rapport yeah. yeah. You, so. can be, you can be shit at coaching. And as long as you've got that buy-in and your training is half, you know, halfway mm. there and you've got people who are, you buy in and will show up consistently, yeah, mm. you can get a great result. That's why a lot of people in the fitness industry, they'll complain about other, other trainers, other coaches and be like, oh, how does that guy have so, I've seen it so many times, people say, how does that guy have so many clients when, you know, he's such a, dickhead or mm. you know he's such a, he doesn't know anything about coaching and stuff and people are you know a lot of it, fitness professionals get butthurt about that because what they don't haven't realized is that those people who have all those clients people want to spend time with them mm. because you can have to if you're going to learn any kind of exercise from anyone you can have to spend a decent chunk of your week with them mm. and mm. if you're a boring dullard who's only into training and that's it and that's that's like that's all you've got yeah why are you looking at me like that? No, no, I, no, no, no. I was thinking about something, so my face was just showing yeah, yeah. something. Yeah, you were thinking, you were you're the boring dialogue. No, no, not I'm at all. I was that. thinking about personal training and, you know, I was thinking about it the other day. Like, I would, I, I'm just not in the headspace right now to have a personal trainer that I don't no. know because yeah. I'm quite self-conscious and, like, I have a lot of issues in my, <laughs> my head with training and body image. Yeah. So the few times I've ever had a personal trainer, the one was at a gym that <clears throat> we weren't going to talk about. Oh, yeah. But um, I felt so self-conscious the whole time, and I felt like he was just kind of a little bit like a drill which, sergeant. Which one was it? Um, at Evo. Oh, back at Evo. Evo doesn't exist anymore. You can talk about Evo. Oh, cool. It don't exist. It, was a, it, it wasn't like one of the, your friends. It was another guy I can't remember, but he was, yeah. I mean, and I always have like fat shaming in the back of my head. So if I feel like 2% of that, I'm out. Mm -hmm. You lost me. Yeah. I'm done, you know. So and imagine if imagine if you you came in and someone actually asked you about that kind of stuff. Well, it depends how beforehand. they ask. Yeah, I mean, but do you have yeah. these issues and is it a thing and what do we need to watch out for that kind of thing? Yeah. Which we you know we do, but yeah. you're saying yeah. imagine if you um, you went to a place previously and that didn't happen, right? Mm. You just come on in. I guess you signed a waiver mm. and you start training. Yeah, but also 
I knew you from way before, from weightlifting days, mm -hmm. back at, yeah, at Evo. Mm. So I knew your vibe. Um, so, so this is someone you hired after you were as a weightlifter with us? Yes, it was just to learn some, like a few more exercises I could do. Okay, yeah. Um, quick, quick backstory, Esty was like <laughs> my first ever weightlifter, or Liesl, which one was it? Who was in first? Who came in the no, door first? I think we both... Did you arrive at the same time? I think we were at the same time. We okay, so you're simultaneously both I might have first. emailed you first. <laughs> I, I could probably find that out. Yeah, I could probably go yeah. and check it. Um, that, when you think about it, it's amazing that I have anyone at all, considering all I did was, consider, I, I, I was in Cape Town for less mm. than six months, I knew no one here, mm. I literally yeah. put a post out on, I think it was my own personal social profile saying, oh. I'm teaching weightlifting in Cape Town. And then I think you, they, Eva must have reposted mm. it or put a thing out themselves no. saying they're starting a weightlifting club. I don't think I saw your stuff. I, um, I came back from Korea at that mm. time and I looked everywhere for uh, Olympic style weightlifting training that wasn't CrossFit. Okay. And so I think when I- Oh, did I have a website? No, I think I asked Evo and they said, oh, there's a guy who's going to start training here. Uh, okay, and, right. So you've been, um, you've been searching around different gyms yes. and they, they were the only strength yeah, gym. I had gone to like Rourke and I'd, I just, yeah, I was like, mm. like I said, I was avoiding CrossFit for reasons. Yeah. <laughs> well, valid yeah. reasons. A lot yeah. of people do avoid CrossFit for reasons yeah. of uh, intimidation or uh, the pacing, maybe. Sometimes people just or don't want to Injury, go, for me, was the biggest. Injury fears, yeah. yeah, of course, that's another one. So, um, yeah, so I was okay. really happy when they're like, oh, this guy is going to start training. And when yeah. I heard, when I saw they your name, even... I thought you were like a colored guy, not some, <laughs> <laughs> some guy from England. I sort of am. No, I, so, I, I sort of am because a lot of people assume I, I'm white because they just see my pasty yeah. skin. It's not so pasty right now because yeah. I tan nicely. But um, I'm half Turkish. So mm. a lot of people just around here, what they see in black and white, like if you, go to the mm. bank and you fill in the form to get a bank account. Oh yeah, that's all. Or the government, your options are black, white, Indian, or what's the other one? Coloured. Coloured, yeah. Those are your options. And there's no yeah, kind of in-between. But in that's between or... from apartheid still, because that was yeah. the apartheid classifications for race. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess I would that's fall under different. honorary white, is that right? Like the Chinese? Probably, because you you're white passing. So a lot of coloured people also, back in the day, they would try to get their kids to be white passing so they white could get passing. in. White passing? Yeah, so they, once you get a white before. passport and your ID says you're white, then you could go to a white school even if your parents were coloured. Gotcha, okay, yeah. right. So, because wow, Ruben's family, his dad has got very light eyes, uh -huh. light skin, so some of his family were white passing. This is in inverted commas. Right, okay, um, but he was definitely not white no, passing. No, no, Ruben is too dark. Yeah. Um, My dad's really dark. I think that's what people, you know, people just assume white. My dad's like, dark for a Turk, dark. Mm. My dad's um, darker than a lot of Indian people. Mm. And... Um, probably be seen as coloured here. I, I, guess, I guess Indian maybe. He, he, yeah. could, he could probably get away with that Indian classification. He was a Muslim, he's, he's not anymore. Uh, Why did I not know that? Oh, what? That your dad was a Muslim. My dad was a Muslim, mm. but he gave it up shortly after my granddad died, which is not his biological father. Oh, right, okay. But he just made that decision, mm. and that was it. He just changed mm. his mind. Mm. And I don't know, maybe that was part of the grieving process, but... Oh, yeah, that usually... A lot of yeah. things can change during that period. I mean, prior to that, he was still on the bacon and all that. He was not... <laughs> yeah, 
He said he just smelt, he just, you know, he moved to England at the age of 15 after, uh, during the war, mm. um, the Turks and the Greeks, and then he came over to England and he, he said he just smelt like a bacon sandwich cooking somewhere in a cafe, in a greasy spoon. He just said, I have to try that. And his mum was not happy about it. So, yeah. <laughs> I can imagine. She wanted me circumcised. They had a big row over that. Hectic. Yeah, no, she wanted to chop it off and my dad, begrudgingly defended. My mum wasn't having any of that. Really? Yeah, yeah. So, um, and then they decided to let me choose. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. That's quite um, forward thinking for that time, I yeah. guess. Or well, it's normally you didn't get a say. So you just get yeah, chop, chop, and that's it. My dad did when I was about 14. We were on holiday in Cyprus, and we were staying in a big hotel. And you could get it done like as a ceremony, where they would pin money on you. So like, you, you'd go there, you'd get it done, in public, so you'd have your piece out and they chop your foreskin off, and then people would give you money as part of the celebration. He said, You can make like 500 quid off of this. And I have to admit, I was tempted. <laughs> I was kind of looking at him like, This 500 quid? Mm. How old were you? About 14. I think it would, be, would have been very strange. It would have been painful, I think. And also, yeah, you're a teenager, you don't really want to have it out no. in public. No one wants to see that. No. no. Or maybe they do, maybe that's why they pay, it's like going to a show. Oh, that's Maybe so that's, awkward uh, on so many levels. You see, now, if I had had it done, <laughs> I would have been able to um, go on raunchy renditions and say, I had my foreskin chopped off in public for money. That would have been a great story. Which I would have probably exchanged for a PlayStation or something at the time. Wow. This would have been like yeah. 94, 95, that kind of time. Yeah. That would have made him. I mean, this is already a good story, just the talking about it. Well, we haven't talked about any butt stuff yet. If I was going to go on... Oh, so for those of you who don't know, also, Esty uh, is kind of, aside from being a stand-up comic, a former weightlifter, uh, who went to the national championships twice. You, did you? Once? Yeah, twice. What? Once or twice, I forget. Yeah. That was years ago. Oh um, a photographer, a videographer, a lecturer, uh, a designer. What else have you done? Oh, yeah, you also co-own the Raunchy Renditions... Mm company, event, um, we, we call brand. ourselves a, prat, a platform, yeah, but platform. a brand is also a good yeah, you, description. So tell us briefly a little bit about Raunchy Renditions, what they do, for those of you, for those that haven't heard about it, what yeah. they, who they are, what they do, what it's about. So Raunchy Renditions is a storytelling platform where we get ordinary people to come and share stories in front of a live audience and the stories are five minutes long, we try and keep that quite strict. And it's about anything to do with sex. So from like a moon cup getting stuck, you know, in your vagina to like having anal sex for the first time or, you know, coming out or, you know, all kinds of stories. We've, we've almost heard it all. <laughs> so my, my toilet butt stuff that's not related, that's not part, not toilet, Well, toilet stuff, it depends. If it's linked to a sex story, you know. Mm. Oh, I just thought of one, but I can't tell you that now, in case I end up on Rochmore Editions. Um, well, we're actually looking for men because um, most of our storytellers have been women. Um, we've had very few straight men. I think we've had like one or two. And we've had, it's going to be our fifth show now on 11th of March. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, people seem to love it and it's a great space for connecting and normalising a lot of things that people think are weird or strange. We've literally... Once you hear the story on stage, it's so easy to connect to that person's experience, even if you're not in the same sort of sexuality or gender 
um, as that person. So okay. I'll, yeah. tell, I'll tell you a very quick story. It's not five minutes. Okay. I'll tell you a very quick story. And you tell cool. me if it's eligible for raunchy renditions. Okay, so your for pitch. Me to stage. <laughs> right. I once went on a first date. Mm. And it was kind of, not, it wasn't a blind date as such. We, we'd met online mm -hmm. before it was socially acceptable. This was maybe 2004, five. I, I can't. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah. And um, went on a first date. And I had a bit of like pressure building my stomach, a bit of wind. <laughs> and throughout the whole date, so we went out, went for a meal, everything, which obviously added to the load. And we en I ended up back at her hotel. Mm. This is on day one, right? So I kind of been holding it in the whole evening, the whole afternoon and evening. So as we hopped into the bed, I went into the, and this was like one of those hotels, cheap hotel, right? So uh. that paper thin walls, you know, like just, you know, going, going to the toilet next door was, you would hear everything, right? I said, I'll be right back. And I went into the bathroom, goes to the door, and I sat on the toilet and I just went, But it was like a minute long. I got, <laughs> I, I literally got my watch out, started timing it. No. It was a minute long fart. Wow. And I started laughing to myself as well <laughs> in the bathroom while I was there. And then after I, after I composed myself and finished the fart, it was just a fart, that's all I did in there. And then I came back out, lay back in the bed. I'm like, hey, did you, like, did you, did you hear anything from in there? And I don't know whether she was telling the truth or not, but she was like, no, no, I didn't hear anything. I was like, Okay, cool. And then that was that. Wow. I don't know. That's she definitely short. heard. I could probably <laughs> embellish it a bit if yeah. you needed five minutes worth. I've got, you know, I can, you know me. I think it's a great story. I mean, it was especially um, also in podcast form, which is something we're looking at. So, okay, you know, cool. It's a little chat. All right, then we've, we've just come up to the 20 minute mark. Most people have probably tailed off by now. But um, just tell us very quickly for. Uh, just tell us about Raunchy Renditions, when's the next show, how much are tickets, where can they get them? It is this Wednesday, which is the 11th of March 2020. You can get tickets on Quicket, mm -hmm. but there's about 10 tickets left, so okay. hurry up. And the show is at the Jagger Lounge. Yeah. Jagger. Yeah, which is in the middle of Cape Town. Awesome. Yeah. Lovely. Esty, thank you so much for coming on today and doing a podcast with us. Um, thank you. I'm sure we'll have you back as a recurring guest because... Um, I don't know why. I guess you know, just because, like I said, you're part of the furniture in the gym and you're always about, or in the periphery, even if you don't train, fuck mm. all. <laughs> I'm around. Yeah, you're about hovering. Hovering. So, cool. Esty, thanks so much for your time and thanks for being on our inaugural Iron Love podcast. Ooh. Boom. Thank you.